Reform Northwest with your host, Eddie Rye. We have quite a few people who are speaking with today. Uh, I want to let everybody know that uh, you will not be receiving any emails, any Facebook texts from me for the next four to five weeks. I'm having shoulder replacement surgery. And uh, while my shoulder will be out of commission, my mouth will not be. So while I cannot send emails out, uh, respond to them. Uh, I will be able to use my mouth so uh, you can make sure you can ensure that I will be on on Urban Forum Northwest on 1150 AM KKNW. And uh, so we have uh, uh, my guest today is some really exceptional happened today. Uh, And we have attorney Jesse Weinberry, who flew in from Washington, D.C. to meet with Governor Jay Inslee this morning. We had people from all across the state coming to meet with the governor this morning. We also have uh, attorney Karama Hawkins, uh, who is also, her and Jesse have been the leaders of uh, the Washington uh, Equity Now Alliance. And then Bob Armstead is the person that is with the Washington State Civil Rights Coalition. And Bob Armstead was the architect for the Department of Justice complaint uh, outlining the discrimination against African descent of United States enslaved in Washington state. Uh, so a lot of different things are happening. And uh, I would like to start off by going with Jesse first because he flew, he came the furthest, so he gets to speak first. But Jesse, why don't you explain to people, you flew in from Washington DC to meet with the governor this morning, what happened? Well, uh, it, was, uh, it was interesting. Uh, we were actually invited uh, by the governor's office uh, to meet uh, with, the, with the governor. Uh, when I say we, it's the Washington Equity Now Alliance, a statewide alliance of organizations that believe in diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, believe in, in seeking justice, uh, no matter where she may hide. And uh, we are the organization that uh, was seeking justice this year and found, uh, lo, lo and behold, a, a court case back in 2003 uh, handed down by the Washington State Supreme Court that uh, said affirmative action, more specifically race cognizant or race conscious affirmative action was still permissible in Washington State and that I-200 or Initiative 200 never killed it. And uh, we presented that to the governor's office uh, thinking that the that Governor Inslee would be excited uh, uh, about the opportunity to be the governor that uh, corrected the uh, wrongful implementation of I-200, which over the last 23 years has killed affirmative action. Uh, and, and, and with that, uh, opportunities for BIPOC communities and women to uh, get a college education, to get a, uh, a government job, or to uh, win government contracts. So we thought uh, the governor would be excited about rescinding uh, the, uh, the uh, governor's directive that put the wrong law in place. And that was Governor's Directive 9801. So uh, we thought that the uh, invitation to meet with him was going to be uh, an exciting uh, conclusion uh, uh, that would end up with the governor uh, making a decision to follow our recommendation and to uh, rescind Governor's Directive 9801 uh, and replace it with race and gender conscious uh, affirmative action, just like the Supreme Court uh, uh, ruled. Uh, but uh, at the last few minutes uh, before we were supposed to attend the meeting, 
we received a uh, an email uh, saying that due to unforeseen circumstances, the uh, governor's office was going to have to cancel the meeting. And the real part of this, uh, Eddie, that I was concerned about uh, is is not me. You just mentioned I I flew in for the meeting uh, three thousand miles uh, from from Washington D.C. to attend this meeting. But the person that I uh, really feel uh, badly for. Uh, is a woman by the name of Esther Huey. Esther Huey has been a community activist for many years. She is 85 years old. She has suffered five uh, uh, heart bypass surgeries. And she got up early this morning, I think five this morning, because she lives in Yakima and she traveled from Yakima to uh, the Tequila office that Governor Inslee uh, invited us to, only to learn when she arrived that the meeting had been canceled. And so uh, that is a person who has known Governor Inslee uh, uh, most of his adult life, an African-American woman who knows him, believes in him, supports him. And she was devastated because she had to get back on the road to Yakima without seeing him. She wanted to congratulate him for making a historic decision of restoring uh, affirmative action for people of color and women in Washington state. And so I was, I was really disappointed when I saw the look on her face when we learned that uh, um, the meeting had been canceled. Let me ask you, uh, what other, uh, there was an invitation of black leaders when were you guys notified that the governor was not, not going to be a no-show at his own meeting? Well, the meeting was, uh, we were asked to be at the meeting in Tequila uh, at 9 a.m. And we received notice at around 8.15. So about 45 minutes uh, before the meeting was to, before we were to uh, attend the meeting. What other Black leaders were there that you saw? Was uh, the president of Tabor 100 there? It was being held at Tabor 100, right? It was held at Tabor 100, which is in Tequila. Um, I did not see the president of Tabor 100. We saw uh, one of the state representatives that was invited. State Representative Deborah Entman uh, was was seen leaving the meeting um, uh, after the governor did not uh, uh, show up. Um, we had uh, Nat Jackson, uh, who is one of the architects of affirmative action in Washington State under Governor Dan Evans. He was the only... African-American that was in the governor's office at that time and uh, helped him put together the first affirmative action policy in an executive order that was signed by the governor in 1972. So next year, that will be celebrating 50 years of affirmative action and equity because of that man. He came from Olympia, where he lives, uh, in Thurston County, came all the way, uh, expecting to meet with the governor and congratulate him. And he, too, was sent back home very disappointed. Okay, I want to ask uh, Attorney Karama Hawkins, uh, you've been involved with uh, uh, the Washington Equity uh, Now Alliance. Uh, your perspective on what's happening and uh, were you uh, were you invited to the meeting? Um, I was invited to attend the meeting and um, my perspective on this, I, I quite honestly, I don't know what to think about this. Um, I will say that I want to just put out there that I hope this is not a personal issue and that 
uh, the governor, governor and um, all of his family that there's not an emergency or something that happened that pre prohibited him from attending. But um, this was just a very uh, disappointing show um, on the governor's behalf, in, in my view. Um, we had um, worked very hard um, at the governor's office's request to make sure that Washington Equity Now Alliance was present, that people were in the room, that were going to be sitting across from the governor and discussing um, 9801 and why it's important to rescind this um, detrimental document that's been a plague and a scourge on um, people of color and women for the past 23 years and to be told um, less than an hour ahead of the time that we're supposed to walk in the door and register um, that it's canceled is incredibly disappointing is the word I'll use. And you said that there was only one member of the, of the uh, Black Caucus of the state legislators. Well, I guess if they got the notice, he wasn't going to show up. Uh, I guess they wouldn't have any reason to come. But uh, also, uh, as you know, uh, a complaint was filed, uh, and Bob Armstead is on the line, was the architect of the complaint, to the U.S. Department of Justice, uh, replete with uh, nine disparity studies, uh, all demonstrate the fact that Black folks in this state, African descendants of the United States enslaved, have been repeatedly discriminated against with no action taken to remedy that. And it's one of the main reasons I say that's how we lost the central area, because of the fact that intergenerational wealth and the, and the businesses that we passed on from family members, from mother, father, to son, or daughter, uh, that opportunity no longer existed. So it's, what's kind of interesting is that uh, uh, the meeting was called uh, the governor was uh, Bob Armstead. Uh, I had to, the report was uh, to the Justice Department. The complaint was filed on the uh, November 22nd. The governor's office was uh, uh, served on November 29th at, in the morning. And at 4.41 that afternoon, you received uh, Jesse Weinberry and Karama Harris received an invitation to meet with the governor. His meeting, that was at 4.41, the very same day he got the complaint. So I want to go to Bob Armstead. And Bob, if you could talk with our listeners a little bit more about the, 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 what's happening right now with what's going on with the governor not really showing up and with the fact that, uh, that he, uh, there's been no response from him, uh, to at least to you or anyone else about the complaint. Uh, first, Eddie, I'd like to say that uh, attorneys Weinberry and Hawkins are in a better position to speak to uh, the governor not showing this morning and the, the content and intent uh, of that meeting since I was not invited and I had no knowledge of it. But in terms of the complaint, uh, we filed the complaint electronically on November 22nd uh, because the site to which we file a complaint did not have the capacity for attachments. We overnighted uh, the complaint in written form with all of the attachments uh, on the 23rd. We received confirmation that uh, both packets had been received uh, with the Department of Justice and that they would notify us uh, as they proceeded with their process. Uh, 
we were uh, notified at the time that we made the electronic uh, submission that uh, that process can be lengthy uh, at times. We were not given a specific time frame for when uh, they would get back to us, but the official notification that the complaint has been received and accepted uh, by the Department of Justice is what we currently have. And uh, I've talked to several members of the Congressional Black Caucus. As a matter of fact, I sent them a copy of the complaint and also sent it to uh, uh, Deborah Horn as, uh, with Cairo TV. And I also sent it to Omari Salisbury with Converge Media. And you might recall Omari's mother, uh, Reverend Dr. Harriet Walden, uh, founder of Mothers for Police Accountability, is one of the folks who endorsed and signed on to the complaint. And uh, in addition to that, uh, speaking with Congressman Adam Smith last evening, uh, his office had notified me last Thursday, Sarah Servan, that uh, Governor, uh, that uh, Congressman Adam Smith would be sending a letter in support of uh, our uh, request for an investigation of discrimination against Black folks. So uh, I called uh, Congressman Smith today and let him know uh, that uh, that uh, the governor did not show up at his own meeting on Tuesday uh, morning, uh, a meeting that he called. So I don't know where that's going. So Bob, have you heard anything back? Or can you give uh, the folks any idea? Because one thing is that I've just received calls and stuff from folks who are saying, how do, can we join? And, you know, I know there's a lot going on. Can you explain how people can still join on to the complaint? Uh, yes. Uh, anyone who's interested can contact Eddie or, or myself. Uh, they would have to do as the... Uh, 21 current co-signers on the complaint have done, which is to uh, sign a consent and release agreement that we would uh, forward the Justice Department and request that they uh, be added as uh, co-signers to the complaint. Uh, well, I want to say now they're going to have to call you, Bob, because, you know, uh... I'm under going to be under the knife. I'm not going to be able to do a whole bunch for about three or four weeks. So I'll, if they call me, I'll make sure they get your phone number. I want to go back to attorney Karama Hawkins uh, just to uh, find out any kind of strategy. What is this next move going to be? Because, uh, you know, by the governor not showing up, that means that we're going to have a, a tougher time. You know, it's been nine disparity studies. And uh, then uh, what kind of hope do we have now for any kind of uh, uh, action with the Washington Equity Now Alliance to uh, uh, get some opportunities for your members and for all of us. Mm-hmm. Well, um, in terms of future strategy, you know, we're going to have to talk to our body about that and see how we want to proceed from here on out. Um, I know that right now we're just kind of uh, trying to figure out um why this is kind of panned out the way that it has right now. Um, whatever the course of action is going to be, and I, you know, I don't have the information to speak on that, um, that I'm able to share with anybody right now. Um, but we are going to persevere and continue to um, work on getting uh, this issue properly addressed. I mean, the, the, the fates of uh, countless people throughout Washington State hang in the balance here. 
as they have, as, as has been the case for almost a quarter of a century. So um, this is bigger than any one um, individual. This is bigger than any one meeting. And um, I, I can assure you that we are going to proceed forward on our course. We will not be swayed um, or dissuaded from our goal in achieving equity and equality and bringing it back to Washington State. Jesse, if you'd like to add to that, uh, is uh, there going to be any further attempts to meet with the governor or the people in his cabinet? I was kind of interested to see that uh, Ed Prince and uh, uh, Rochelle Davis were copied on that invitation. And also uh, the invitation came out from the King County person. And as you just explained, people came from Pierce County, Thurston County, Yakima County, Snohomish County, uh, but the King County guy had it. And uh, some of the folks commented on that about how serious that was and not come out of his office. Now he has a director of equity, uh, Dr. Karen Johnson. He has the African-American female chief of staff, Jamila Thomas. And I'm just kind of at a loss. Maybe you can explain to me why didn't it come from someone higher up in the governor's office? Well, I don't work for the governor. Uh, and, and so I don't know why uh, that was assigned to uh, somebody other, other than the chief of staff. But what I can say is that we had a, uh, an, an, a meeting with the chief of staff, uh, as well as with the King County Council members who have already passed legislation demanding race and gender conscious affirmative action be restored at the state level. They're going to move forth uh, on the county level, whether the state moves with them or not. They said they, they want to be partners with the state, but uh, that is not uh, a, 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 a necessary uh, requirement uh, for where the county is concerned. So the good news is that King County uh, is moving in the way that the king for which that county is named for would move in the way in which Dr. King would move. And that is toward equity, equality, and justice. Uh, where you asked about our next steps, uh, our last communication about this issue, substantive communication, was with the governor's chief of staff. And so uh, I know that when uh, Winna meets, one of the uh, proposals that will be on the table is that we respond to the governor and his chief of staff, his number one person, about this meeting. Uh, because people, uh, 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 every person that attended today uh, put their life on hold uh, to put the governor first. Uh, and uh, uh, we hope, uh, because we don't know the reason for the cancellation, uh, we hope it's not a personal family issue. We hope the governor is okay. We hope his, his family is okay. Uh, but right now, uh, our job is to respond, to let him know who, who showed up and why, and to uh, give him every opportunity to uh, uh, reschedule, repair, and uh, resend uh, Governor's Directive 9801. And if I could just real briefly, it, it's more than just people taking time out of their lives. They subjected themselves to uh, the risk of, risk of exposure in uh, fulfilling a request by uh, the governor's office to appear for this meeting in Someone needs a mute. Someone needs a mute. There's a, a feedback coming. Okay, go right ahead, Karam. I'm sorry to interrupt, but we were getting feedback. I apologize. Um, they requested that we be there in person 
They denied the request, several requests that I personally made to appear um, or have a virtual component to this meeting, which would have been a lot easier on Jesse, who took time away from his family and threw, flew 3,000 miles to be here and has 3,000 more miles to fly back home. And, you know, I, I keep returning to thinking about uh, Miss Esther Huey, 85 years old, five bypass surgeries, traveled across, you know, from Yakima here to Kane County to make sure that she could be here for this. And 45 minutes before we're supposed to sit down, it's not happening. Um, people put their health at risk for this, not just, you know, their day. I want to see if um, um, my comrade Bob Armstead have any comments uh, about the complaint or anything else. Uh, yes, real quickly, Eddie, uh, you, you've mentioned the, the nine disparity studies, which occurred in various places around the state. But we, we also want everyone to know that King County did an equity audit. They determined the same thing that the disparity studies did. Uh, the Washington Employers for Equity, which consists primarily of Challenge Seattle and the Washington Roundtable, commissioned a study by the Boston Consulting Group. They determined the same thing that the nine disparity studies and the King County audit did. The King County Council voted unanimously to do what Jesse and Ms. Hawkins have been attempting to get the governor to do for an extended period of time. This is not one entity in the state saying that this is wrong. The Washington State Supreme Court has said it's wrong. The Washington State Attorney General in his opinion has said that it's wrong. The Seattle City Attorney when requested to provide an opinion has said it's wrong. This is something that is known by the people that are in positions to do something to rectify it and they have chosen not to. You gave the example of the, the central district. The demographics of the, of the state has changed over the last 23 years because opportunities for people living in those areas have changed. They've been denied opportunities, whether they're for contracting, for education, for housing, you name it, every aspect of life in the state change for African-Americans 23 years ago with Governor's Directive 9801. And it would be a huge start in rectifying some of the damage uh, that has been done. I wanna ask uh, Jesse or Attorney Hawkins, uh, what would you suggest people who are uh, listening to the program uh, how can they get involved? And what would you suggest that people do? Because a lot of folks think they're in the bad law by themselves. And that's why they need to hear this program. But what would you encourage people to do to help bring about equity for descendants of African-Americans? I mean, uh, descendants of Africans in this state, because that's who's being discriminated against. It's not all Blacks, but it is us Blacks. Uh, well, number one, uh, go to our website. We have set up 
uh, uh, communications for the entire public to go to waequitynow.com. That's short for washingtonequitynow.com. You're, you're able to uh, uh, sign up, uh, speak up, and stand up for this issue because when you sign up there, we make sure that the governor's office receives your comments directly. And, and the reason we set that up is because if you go directly to any elected official's uh, website, uh, the public does not know how many people have communicated uh, their, their position and, and, and let their voice be heard. So we are able to keep track of how many people from around the state and around the country have been able to go online and tell Governor Inslee to sign the executive order that rescinds uh, Governor's Directive 9801. That's number one. Uh, the other thing that, that people need to know is that we are not just trying to uh, uh, create opportunities for the future. Some of you who are listening uh, in, the, in, the, in this audience may have been victims of the last 23 years when Washington State was implementing the wrong law. The Washington State Office of Women and Minority Business Enterprises has already testified uh, in the Washington State Senate under oath that women and minority-owned businesses have lost up to $3.5 billion in job-generating contracting opportunities because the law that was supposed to open doors for people to get those opportunities have been closed because of the wrongful implementation of the law. And so uh, we really wanna hear from those of you who either were certified minority businesses before 1998 or certified minority businesses from 1998 to the present who uh, have been capable, qualified, competent, and certified, but have not gotten work. Okay. And finally, Go ahead. And finally, yeah, and finally, what's, what's really critically important, you're watching television every day and you see President Biden sign uh, the American Rescue Plan that sends that sent ten point two billion dollars to Washington State. He signed the Infrastructure Act that sent another eight point six billion dollars to Washington State. Uh, there's going to be a Build Back Better Act signed probably before the end of this year. That's going to send between five to ten billion dollars more. That's over twenty billion dollars that has never been sent at, in, at that level, at that amount before all at one time to Washington State, that is gonna be able to change lives in Washington State in terms of contracting, in terms of jobs, in terms of higher education. And if we allocate those dollars under the same old rules, that the wrong old rules that we have been following for the last 23 years, many African-American uh, uh, and BIPOC uh, communities will miss billions of dollars, meaning hundreds of thousands of jobs, uh, hundreds of thousands of contracting opportunities. And we know the money is being wired, but we're not getting hired. And okay, that's so, what this fight is all about. Okay, Jesse Weinberry, I wanna, our time is up. I wanna thank Attorney Karama Hawkins with the Washington Equity Now Alliance. I wanna thank uh, Bob Armstead, the architect of the DOJ complaint, the Washington State Civil Rights Coalition. And so, uh, well, we'll keep the public, uh, uh, we'll keep everybody uh, informed the best we can. So thank you very much. We're gonna take a break right now and come back. 
Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxshops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Alternative Talk 1150. Local talk for the body, mind, and soul. All right, Eddie Ride back at Urban Forum Northwest. It sounds like Donnie Hathaway. It is Christmas time, but I just want to let everybody know, once again, I got to make the announcement. I'm having a shoulder replacement surgery, and I will not be sending emails out or hitting nobody up on, on Facebook. This group that's on right now is going to be the last group that I have on Facebook. It's going to take four to six weeks. However, the shoulder, the surgery is on my shoulder, not on my mouth. So I will be here uh, saying a few things. So we have um, Greg Anthony, Robert Gant, and Greg Roger. Allen. Greg, I'm Greg Allen. I keep wanting to make you the basketball player, which you were. <laughs> but anyway, uh, and Robert Gant, uh, all-time brother in the in this community. And uh, Roger, the dynamic uh, guy is on the phone, right? Yes. Roger Evans. Okay. So uh, I, I was. I'm going to start off with uh, Robert Gant. Uh, Robert, are you the president of the company, correct? No, Gregory is. Greg, okay, let's, we got to start at the top. Okay, Mr. Gregory, hey, uh, why don't you share with our listeners a little bit about the group and also about uh, what kind of projects you guys are involved in and uh, how the community can support you. Okay, well, thanks for having us on. Uh, okay. My name is Greg Allen. I was, of course, born in Seattle in, in High Point in 1951 and lived in the central area since 1953. So uh, all these people involved are people who I've known for years. Um, well, the way this started uh, back in 2012, this project actually it's it's it started in my mind back in uh, 2000 with uh, Nate Long and myself talking about uh, creating our own content, and telling our own story. So this has been on my mind since uh, the late 90s and early 2000s. So what, is, what has happened? We have come together 
and uh, put a group together. And uh, Robert, Bill, uh, our officers of our corporation, we started a nonprofit corporation called Central Area Documentary Project Association. Robert's the secretary, Bill's the treasurer, I'm the president. And uh, our whole purpose is to be able to preserve uh, and tell the story of the century area from when it started. And we, we started at uh, early, ni- early 1900s uh, and went forward. And to tell how it started, who the, who the uh, people were, who were the ma- major players and role players in starting the community, and uh, what happened to it. And uh, so that's, that's, that's how we started out. Well, that was in 2012, and our, and our purpose has been to raise funds to be able to do that, which has been a hard thing to do, but we have been state consistent and we have done a number of interviews throughout the years of uh, a lot of the leaders. And lately what has happened, we have gotten re-energized with uh, our man, uh, Roger Evans, who is another media guy who is, 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 is uh, to, my, my, to my estimate, is, he has a little bit of genius going on with him. And what we're doing now is uh, we're really changing our purpose from documentary to archiving people's stories and trying to create a library. And uh, so that's uh, that's pretty much it there. Uh, Robert, uh, you might want to come on and say uh, some things. Yeah, I joined the project with uh, Greg started the nonprofit and he and I, of course, everybody else along with came up and Seattle, known each other for a lot of years. But what we did, uh, I joined the project. Greg had told me about it, and uh, we decided to work together in this regard. And with the expertise that he has, and the expertise that I have all the years in media, working in film and television entertainment business, uh, we decided to document. Or Greg had decided to have a project, as he said, to document the history of the century. And one of my chief reasons for going on, not only for the fact of um, the people that were involved. But bring the expertise that with the people that involved the expertise, but also the stories that we know because of as I sit here and look at well with you, Eddie and Greg, myself, all the stories and things we've been involved in have been multifaceted in the uh, growth and development, the history of the century. Not only in respect in respect to the things we have done personally, but our parents and 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 the youngsters after us who have worked with us. Eddie, as I as you well know, as I say again, uh, we go back to community, but. My first dealing with business policy was when Eddie was, but when I was with Black Arts West in the early 70s, and uh, Eddie was in charge of camp, which was, I said, as I, as I wanted to become with the best director is ever there. And he was uh, the person that was incremental in making sure, if we talk about arts, that uh, Black Arts West was a functioning and financially viable association. Uh, part of what, so one of the things, as I say again, the stories that we can tell are the stories that everybody knows, as Greg said and uh, the stories that everybody doesn't know and parts of them and part of what I'm doing. In light of that, as I say, again, Rogers came on and we have an archive project, which is basically, uh, com- where Rogers in charge of putting an archive project together under the auspices of the Century Documentary Association, which will uh, compile a uh, database of relevant history that will be available to the public uh, of, of the history of the century through articles, photos, and videos. In addition to that, we are shooting uh, additional documentary videos, things that we've shot over the years, but also in the other, we've done uh, additional documentary. Right now, I'm producing a video, uh, a series of documentaries for the that will uh, chronicle 
the entertainment industry, the musicians of the uh, century, the 40s through the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. Uh, Greg and um, Roger are documenting and uh, interviewing you, Eddie, and other people, political area and civic, a lot of civic leaders at this particular point in time. So that's kind of where I came in in terms of what we're doing. Did uh, William Espy get on the line with us? I don't think yeah. it Bill was on yet. I sent him a notice. I talked with him earlier and told him about it, and I think we sent him the um. Link. My daughter, my daughter Angela, and his daughter Leonetta are like sisters, and she oh, called okay. Mr. Espy Papa Bill. <laughs> she asked him Papa here. Bill. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, now we got uh, Roger the Genius uh, on the phone. So uh, uh, I've been doing some work with Roger as well. But Roger, why don't you uh, chime in and let us know your contributions to uh, uh, to the, the Black Box Digital Films and the Central Area Documentary Project? Okay. Well, as far as uh, my digital genius, it's, 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 it's just something of a necessity that God has given me. I was brought onto the project through uh, Cleveland Tyson, um, um, a um, Emmy Award-winning um, uh, editor for KTCS9 for many, many years. He brought me in touch with Greg Allen, and me and Greg Allen automatically clicked. Um, my history was that Cleve, um, I was initially a audio technician and I wanted to expand my business into doing video content in the mid nineties and Cleve, uh, directed me towards doing digital video and it just kind of grew from that point. So Greg and I initially came on, um, that, um, we were just talking about, uh, getting together to, um, do some of the same things because I was, I was doing various um, interviews of, of, of people of color in our community and um, documenting the essence of the central area community and how it grew and how it's been decimated through gentrification. So um, they had already had a project that they had launched and I thought it was well worthy and I came on board. So uh, my, um, my influence became more relevant when we did an interview with um, Eddie Rye and Eddie had uh, mentioned that he had um, an extensive um, uh, resource of old um, newspapers that were uh, focused on the central area. So I volunteered to do um, digitizing and OCR technology to um, create um, a database for the central area to, um, uh, what would I call it? Um, Complement the video content of uh, the interviews that we're doing with um, elders and and people of significance in the community that have been groundbreakers and establishers to help the the community grow and 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 expand. And that is my participation at this point. As I'm I'm working side by side with Greg Allen and and and, and Robert Gant and and, and William Espy to make this project um, as successful as it can. We, we're trying to create a keepsake. We're trying to create a chronicle of the central area from the perspective of the community uh, dweller. Not so much the outsider looking in, but the insiders speaking out. And, uh, you know, I also want to give a shout out to your board members. Uh, Marsha Andrews is a director, Joe Staten is a director, Sister Lita is a director. So, uh, I got to give those folks a shout out too because they're working with you. Uh, Gary Greg, Bible. Pardon? Gary Bible. Oh, Gary Bible. Okay. All right. Okay. We got to put his name on there. But uh, Greg, let's go back to you and let's talk about uh, the projects you're engaged in right now. And uh, uh, I also am interested in, you know, being a, 
being associated with Roger at least a few times a week, that uh, I have Hayward Evans, who's an excellent grant writer. And we know that the city, uh, Seattle's Arts uh, uh, and uh, Commission has money. We also know for culture has money. And mm -hmm. so uh, we want to be willing to only uh, advocate before whatever you guys want to put forth. So uh, we just want you to share with our listeners what they can do to help and uh, uh, how can they get involved? Because some people see this and they might have some skills they might want to get involved. Why don't you share that with our listeners? Okay. Well, a lot has happened uh, in a short period of time. We, we've, we've been set up for a while. And, and uh, Robert, and when we set this up, we set it up with a membership. Uh, people can come in as members of the uh, Century Documentary Project Association, and they could uh, pay a, a yearly amount. And, and like I say, we're a nonprofit. And uh, we've done everything from we, we had a midwinter festival years ago where we had, you know, uh, we were trying to grow the membership. But right now, what we're what we're looking at now, we've like I say, we've got re-energized and we're trying to get people to um, come forward. And first of all, we're, 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 we're trying to get as many people interviewed as possible. I just did a major interview with. Dr. Maxine Mims, you know, 93 years old. And uh, I've, I've interviewed uh, everybody from uh, Reverend McKinney to, you know, there's a lot of, there's a few people I miss, but there's a lot of interviews that were done and projects done. But what we're trying to do now is um, go out and put uh, grants together to be able to create this library and bring on interns and, and young Black uh media people uh, and, uh, and uh, arts people to be able to continue this, telling this story, because it's all about keeping our story alive. That's what that's what we want to do. That's our main purpose is to be able to keep our story alive, because what we found is they try to silence us. You know, we put we put in for for culture grants and they they told us uh, they didn't think we knew what we we were doing like we couldn't tell our own story you know like i said i've been here since 51 and bill's probably been here since 49 or 50 you know so it's like we know the story and it's just about now uh you know we made major investments ourselves as far as the capability of production but now it's about trying to link that up with a money source and the community the, the when I say community, now I'm talking about a satellite community. I'm not talking about like when, when I grew up in International Little League had 12 black businesses sponsoring uh, all the teams, you know. Now you can, it's hard to find one team or one black business in the central area. So it's a, it's a, it's a new thing that we're trying to do. And what Roger has brought to us with this, and in my thinking is now we have to, you know, take it in a, area where people can get to it on their phones you know we have to bring it out there and if somebody wants to know about eddie rye all they have to do is type in eddie rye and and they'll be able to go to our archive and if they want to see a video or they want to hear audio they want to see a newspaper so we're we're stepping our game up you know and uh we're still we're still viable because uh like i say we were the first group talking about the century area. After we started this, we started hearing about these different people trying to tell our story. I know, I know a, a, a white 
photographer got a grant one time when uh, I had the media store. Me and Stan Brown had the media store. This white photographer in up in up in uh, up in the same complex I was got a grant to to tell our story through photos. And she brought in a few people from the, the, the community. And yet here we are, you know, filmmakers and stuff. And and like once again, like I heard you say earlier in your show, Eddie, I signed up. I was a black minority business. I'm you're gonna be hearing from me. I signed up and I remember I tried to get on the uh sound transit uh contract. You know, they they strung me out and strung me out and strung me out. I was out of business by the time I had to start business again. By the time they went into their operation, you know, I was out of business. So anyway, that's that's I'm rambling now, but uh, I get excited. Uh, those those are those are significant points you're making because that you know that's one of the things that the earlier part of the program you probably heard uh, the fight that we're having as uh, 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 as black folks, particularly African descendants of the United States enslaved, the ones that's been here 400 years, that died in every war, that gave 254 years of slavery. And that's what people don't want taught. They don't want the history taught about black contributions and about the suffering we had to do in this country. Uh, so, but uh, before we go, I want to hear back from Robert and also uh, from uh, from uh, my main man, uh, Roger Evans. One of the things I want to state the organization is we talk about fundraising thing. One of the things we are, we are over the years, what we have established, we are a 5013C uh, organization. So we are the legitimate nonprofit with the United States. So any um, donations are tax deductible. As you say, again, we are raising, uh, we are in the process. One of the things that I do with the organization is packaging the um, deals to raise um, money for particular projects and work with grants. And we also need other people, as you said, with Hayward, who I've worked with over the years, as you know, everybody we've talked with and the expertise of everybody that can come along to help uh, make this project real. Because as Greg was stating, one of the things that happens in the media, because I know this from a fact when I started um, in television in 1968 at Como, was the fact that um, the story that you see on TV is not always the story. It's topped up and edited and tell, told the way they want to tell it. Eddie knows this. If Eddie's out speaking somewhere in the meeting, it depends upon how they cut that video up. They'll make him look like he was uh, H. Rap Brown, or on the other hand, in the spectrum, he may be uh, Martin Luther King, depending upon how they want to present and how they do the intro. So one of the things that we have, the expertise we have with Roger, and myself uh, and Greg, especially in, in terms of filmmaking, because we do this professionally as well as myself, is all I've done for the last 40 years in the entertainment business professionally and still am, still am um, is be able to tell the stories that we know, the real story, package that story and bring it to the public and, and the story to the public in the manner in which it's supposed to be told and tell the truth. Because right now, as you know, in this country, they got a whole thing going on about trying to, 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 to uh, dissuade the truth. They're trying to tell us uh, what we know happened didn't happen, and we know it happened. And so one of the things is the documentation of that is going to be very important, and the archive will be there forever for the people to go back and be able to tell and look at that, because as, as Greg said, a lot of our stories over the years, we knew our stories over the years from our parents and getting together in the center area. If I went somewhere, I'd see somebody. We knew like stories, we still do. A lot more documented. We don't have that same vocal point in one central area anymore, so everybody's so spread out we need to be able to let this the, the, this other generation not our kids but our grandkids generation now know what really happened in that area and who we are and what we did and told by us by us for us for us roger, i want to see roger i want to see if you have a, another comment 
So um, where we're at right now is the archive has been constructed, and we're now just starting to um, get ready to fill it up. It is at Se- the Seattle Grio project.com the seattle grio project all one word g-r-i-o-t is grio project.com is all one word and what we're going to do is we're going to fill it with both references for old newspapers interviews of the people um, that we're archiving photographs that we can get a hold of that you can um, and look and see points of references in our community that is what's coming up next and you should be able to access it on your phone on your tablet on your laptop um, we're going to be as exhaustive as we can there will also be um, audio files so if you just want to listen to an audio file of an interview, that will be be available as well. Um, one of the things we're hoping to do is have some content um, as of interviews and um, and possibly documentary uh, miniseries for Black History Month coming up in January. We're pursuing that right now for a series of eight different people who were significant in the community back in the day. Uh, an elaborate story about them, 30, 40 minutes um, during the course of Black History Month. We're going to try to figure out some fundraising, whether it's a Kickstarter or GoFundMe. We're going to put that forward. But again, the site is the theseattlegrioproject.com, and it will, it will be uh, being filled up over time. So stay tuned. You could, there's some sample videos up there now. Um, and they're under the heading of the Blues Project. The, the um, was it? Wait a minute. The the Blues Report. And they're and they're the um, the prototype of how we're going to tell story throughout this um, archiving process. Again, the SeattleGrioProject.com. And you know, I want to uh, take this opportunity to thank Tony B, uh, who has acquired uh, the Columbia City Theater, as where we did the filming uh, on Tuesday on Monday. Uh, for the my interview, and uh, he came through, and uh, it's a good venue to work, uh, and I'm really happy that uh, you guys have that relationship with Tony B. Uh, uh, brother's always been very supportive, and I think it was just excellent to have somewhere where. Uh, but anyway, uh, I want to thank uh, Robert Gant, Gregory Allen, uh, my, my friend Roger Evans, and we miss Papa Bill Espy, but. Uh, <laughs> We know he's involved as well, and I want to yeah, yeah, thank I mean, you guys. Thank you for your, your what you guys are doing. And like I said, there's anything I can do to help, including using this uh, platform as a venue for what you guys are doing. You're always welcome. So want to thank you very much, and we'll be uh, keeping track of you and talking to you again soon. So thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. All right, now. Okay, so I want to give a shout-out to a couple of people. Uh, first of all, uh, had our carpets done today. And Brian Cole, Cole Cleaning, does an outstanding job. So if you want to get your stuff done, you might have messed your stuff up during Thanksgiving and get ready for the holidays. Once you give Brian Cole a call, Cole Cleaning does an outstanding job. I also want to thank uh, the Port of Seattle, uh, Diversity Contracting Office, me and Rice and uh, Lawrence Coleman, and uh, also the, uh, the City of Seattle Purchasing and Construction Services Office, uh, Sound Transit, Leslie Jones, Chief of Labor, John T. Robinson, the Civil Rights and Equity Chief, and uh, Nikki Croxton, who is uh, the payrolls uh, uh, accounts payable supervisor. Uh, as I indicated earlier in the program, I uh, will be still doing the program, but no, I won't be doing any Facebook posts. 
I will not be doing any responding to emails. I'm, I will not be capable having the shoulder replacement surgery. So anyway, uh, Eric, thank you very much. And hopefully I'll be talking to you next Thursday. If not, you guys might see yourself again. So thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Thanks, Eric. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxshops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Alternative Talk 1150. Talk radio for the body, mind, and soul.